good morning and welcome to Christchurch this morning, whether you're in church, whether you're watching from at home live, or whether you're catching up with us later. It's really good to have you with us and to welcome you as part of our church family today. My name's Janet and I'll be leading the service this morning before Chris speaks to us and then leads us through communion later on. This is the first sermon in a series based on the lectionary, so we'll be using lectionary readings over the next few weeks, and I think they're bringing a few interesting topics for people to speak on. I don't know about the rest of you, but um, over the last week, we've had the real joy of meeting up with some family we hadn't seen for a very long time, and in fact, Graham's parents, who were staying with us, met their great-grandson for the first time. Lovely family occasion, and it is lovely being part of families. We're also Christ's family and in celebrating communion that's one of the things that we remember. But as we start our service this morning not only are we in God's family but we are coming before a holy God and this God who welcomes us into his family is holy and is as well as being in the family with us separate from us and holy Let's come before him now and think about those times where we're perhaps less than happy with the way we've been, with the way we've acted, with the way we've thought. Let's just have a couple of moments in quiet now as we come before our holy God and allow him to bring to mind those things that we need to confess. I'll now lead us in a prayer of confession and at the end of each section when I say, Father, forgive us, if you can join in then with save us and help us. God our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you and ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For behaving just as we wish without thinking of you, Father, forgive us. Save us and help us. For failing you by what we do and think and say, Father, forgive us. Save us and help us. For letting ourselves be drawn away from you by temptations in the world about us, Father, forgive us. Save us and help us. For living as if we were ashamed to belong to your Son, Father, forgive us, save us and help us. And knowing that through the death and resurrection of Jesus we are forgiven, may God who loved the world so much that he sent his Son to be our Saviour, forgive us our sins and make us holy to serve him in the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The reading this morning is from Mark chapter 3, beginning of verse 31. It's entitled, Jesus' Mother and Brothers. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mothers and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. 
Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's so good to be here. It's the first time I put this thing on, uh, apart from, unfortunately, one or two COVID funerals I've taken over recent weeks and months. But first time I put this on for a Sunday service, and so I can't, know, can't remember when. But um, it's also the first time I've not spoken to a screen since March last year. So, um, but I'm not actually sure which is more intimidating, speaking to a screen or speaking to an inscrutable group of eyes across the... The thing about sermons is, that is the interaction between preacher and congregation. And John and I were talking about this the other day. And uh, um, to have interaction, you've got to have more than eyes. I have no clue what those eyes are thinking. Anyway, never mind. Never mind about that. But it's lovely to be here, isn't it? You've been exploring the Christian faith, I understand. You come to church and you've heard this morning's reading. And you go away thoroughly put off by this Jesus who didn't seem to care much for his family. Well then, unfortunately, you'll be misunderstanding him just as much as his actual family did. Because in a time when divorce was rife and family life left a great deal to be desired, Jesus was a champion of marriage and the family. He condemned those who undermined it and who subjugated the children. Those who should be seen and not heard took great delight in the fact that he would pop them on his knee and tell everybody else that it was to such as these that the kingdom of God belonged and unless we all become like them, we won't enter it. And many of his miracles were prompted by his love for people in families, his concern for them. The Syrophoenician's daughter in Mark 7 who has an evil spirit is he is uh, has it cast out? Jairus' daughter is raised up and restored to the family. Um, the the widow of Nain he meets going uh, as it going past uh, this funeral cortege, about to go and um, bury her her only son. He raises him up, and there's Lazarus, of course, his great friend uh, and uh, brother of Martha and Mary. As for his own family. We don't know a lot in terms of what's recorded for us. We know the event when he was 12 and he went, they all went to Jerusalem and, and they lost him because he was sitting in the temple dialoguing with the, with the toffs. But it says at the end of that that he grew, it, that, that he became subject to them and grew in wisdom and stature and favour with God and men. Now we have to imagine a little bit, and will you join me in imagining just for a, for a minute, it appears that Joseph died fairly early on, certainly after they'd had the family. There's nothing said about him. And if so, then the eldest son becomes the man of the house. And like many families of the time, it was a packed house. Mark 6 tells us the names of Jesus' four brothers and that he had sisters. Typical, isn't it? They don't, they don't merit a name. It's just the way things were in those days. So there must be at least two, we don't know how many. So there's, there are at least six siblings. Doubtless, Jesus supported his mother and looked after his younger siblings until he was 30, for a long time, until his time had come. He loved them. 
But happy families, they misunderstood him. Some listening to this this morning, whether here or at home, will have been misunderstood by family or you know people who have. They've been treated badly as a consequence and there are few things more painful, are there? Brother, sister, is that you? Well, then you're in good company. It's the best. He understands and he walks alongside you with all his experience of 30 years with that family that misunderstood him. His brothers and sisters didn't believe in him. They couldn't believe that their big brother they'd worked with at the carpenter's Brent bench over a number of years was infinitely greater. Doubtless they looked with envy at his growing fame. They didn't trust him. We read in Mark 3 that they thought he was out of his mind. He hadn't had time to eat. So they came to take charge of him, we read. Who's they? Well, Mary comes with the boys. She's found it difficult to let go, like many a parent. It's understandable, I suppose, having lost husband and had to rely on her eldest. And she knew he was special. She doubtless had a special relationship with him. So much so that she was bothered about him and she would tend to interfere now and then. Remember the wedding at Cana? But Jesus, although it irked her, him, never stopped loving her. Some of his last words on the cross were, were towards her and towards John, look after mother. And nor did he cease to pray for his family. And that prayer was answered after his resurrection as so many prayers are answered long after. In Acts 1 it says that the disciples were together in prayer with Jesus' brothers. How hard it must have been, sorely tempted to give in to his family. I wonder how much he told them at home before he set out on his three-year mission. Do you think Mary would have told the younger siblings about the events surrounding his birth? We don't know, do we? But we can imagine. Or had she simply continued to treasure these things in her heart as she did after she presented him to Simeon in the temple? Perhaps she thought it might cause tension in the family. Happy families? If she'd revealed it all. Perhaps she told them after the resurrection. We don't know, but whatever. He knew he couldn't give way to his family. What a painful irritant that was for him. These apparently harsh words, who are my brothers and, and, and sisters, the ones who don't do the, the will of God, or the rebuke to mother at, uh, at the wedding. I wonder if under the surface, Jesus is saying, don't you know I'd love to go with you, but don't you see I can't? Don't make things more difficult for me. I need your support. Please trust me. I know what I'm doing. Happy families? No, they don't trust him. But they have an important lesson to learn, which is a lesson for us too, brothers and sisters, isn't it? that there is a higher calling on our lives than our family. May I make a plea? And it's this. Please don't put your family first. 
What? Is this chap a heretic? Am I hearing right? Yes, that's what I said. Please don't put your family first. He who loves family more than me. If you put God first, your family will benefit hugely. One of my favorite preachers of a, a former generation was a great Scot called Campbell Morgan. You have to be a, a Scot if you're called Campbell, don't you? And he sired a number of preacher sons. And a friend of the Campbell Morgan family decided one day that they would tease them by asking one of their preacher sons, who's the best preacher in the family? And the boys all replied in unison, mother. <laughs> because she practices what she preaches. <coughs> Campbell Senior once said, you cannot compel your child to an act of faith in Jesus Christ, but you can make it almost impossible for a child not to exercise that act of faith. My father and my mother could not compel me to be a Christian, but as God is my witness, I had no choice because of what they did for me and what I saw in them. Wouldn't it be wonderful, brothers and sisters, if all our families would say that of us as their parents? An important lesson to learn. Put him first and your family will benefit more than you can imagine. But of course, for some, like for Jesus, putting God first can cause a rift in the family. And as we know, those of us who pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters, there are many throughout the world who are paying an enormous price for turning to Christ. But for those who feel they stand alone and misunderstood by their family, there is in this passage also some good news with which I finish. And that is that there is another family, an eternal family, where nobody ever dies. Who are my brothers and sisters, says Jesus? Those who do the will of my Father. And Paul, in writing to the Ephesians at the beginning of his letter, explains that. How can this be? Well, he says, the Father has chosen us to be adopted into his family through Christ Jesus. You and I, brothers and sisters, are adopted into the eternal family. We're chosen by the Father. Last week, I had a picnic lunch on the university campus with a young man that I've been seeking to support who's had some problems over the last four years or so. And it was this lunch break, and at the end of the hour, I said to him, what would you like me to pray for you? And he thought about it and he said, Chris, I'd really like you to pray that I would discover that the Father is good because mine isn't. I was able to tell him the story of Richard, Tom and Simon. Richard was uh, adopted 
as a baby, my Simon, who a number of years ago went to glory. Tom is the natural son, the brother to Richard. In his journal, Richard writes this, Tom, brother, is a window to my father who is now in heaven. Without Tom, my image of my father would be fading fast. My memories of him would be starting to go. But when I'm with Tom, a picture of my father's face returns. My memory of his voice is restored. The more I spend time with my brother, the more I can recall the man who was my father. He who has seen me has seen the father. Spend time with your elder brother and you will see the father. Always.